With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is BC Radio Live with Philip and Eric. Live online at blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. Aloha! Tonight on BC Radio Live, we are planning to talk to Mark Lear, author of Where Did I Leave My Glass? We will also chat with Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, who has written a book called Rumors of Our Progress Has Been Greatly Exaggerated. Why women's lives aren't getting any easier, and how we can make real progress for ourselves and of others. But first, we'll see how we can manage talking to two bands at once. As we invite on Mike and Christian from the band Therefore Tomorrow, as well as J.R. the second from the band Lester Six. In addition to being label mates, J.R. is actually the manager for Therefore Tomorrow. It is Wednesday, July the 9th, and this is another jam-packed episode of BC Radio Live. The chat room is now open at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio, and the live video feed is now running. What wonders and delights one sees on the live video feed every week, at least as far as you know, until you connect. I am Philip Wynn, button pusher for BC Radio Live and chief geek at BC Magazine, and I am joined by Lisa McKay. Lisa is BC Magazine's executive editor. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Philip. How are you tonight? I'm doing pretty well. You know, I'm reminded every week when I hear that little uh, intro that says, uh, this is BC Radio Live with Philip and Eric, I keep thinking I I need to update that to include Lisa, and and never more so than on weeks when, as tonight, Eric doesn't make it. Indeed. (laughs) So we've we've introduced the host that uh, isn't on, and we've uh, failed to introduce a host that is on. So it's actually BC Radio Live with Philip and Lisa tonight, Uh, but I guess uh, guess people will, will figure that out. Yeah, as I try I to, I try to push buttons and uh, and interview. Always a always a fun man of many talents. <laughs> well, we'll see as the show goes on just how well that works. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started. Let's kick things off musically. Uh, the band There for Tomorrow just released their self-titled EP on iTunes about eight days ago, and it'll hit record stores on August fifth. The first single is called No More Room to Breathe, and here is a sample of it now. You've got to know by now The stepping in and out will bring you down Until you Yeah. 
was no more room to breathe from therefore tomorrow, or part of it anyway. The website is myspace.com slash therefore tomorrow. That's T-H-E-R-E-F-O-R-T-O-M-O-R-R-O-W. And let's bring them on the line right now. Welcome to BC Radio Live, Micah and Christian. Thank you. What up, dude? We're glad to be here. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks uh, Thanks for joining us. Um, now, we actually, well, we can, we can bring on JR here in a minute. I'm sitting on the switchboard. Uh, but but actually, uh, there for tomorrow, you guys, there are four members of the band, right? Yes, yes. sir. Micah, Christian are on the line with us, and then we're missing uh, Chris and Jay. Yes. Okay. They're actually and, right uh, next to the van here. <laughs> All right. Well, and your, uh, your tour starts tomorrow, is that right? Yeah, yes, sir. Tomorrow it is in North Carolina. Very good. North Carolina, South Carolina, Nashville. Hey, you'll be in Cleveland on the 15th. Our uh, our missing co-host, who's normally with us every week, but uh, got called away on an emergency this afternoon, uh, is in Cleveland. So he'll be happy to know you're going to be near him. Ah, sweet. <laughs> Very nice. Well, let's uh, before we go too much farther, let's go ahead and bring on Jr. Now, Jr. is uh, the manager for the band. Is that right? Yes. He is. He's like JR. a daddy. <laughs> well, Daddy Jr., welcome to BC Radio Live. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it's just pretty exciting for me uh, to do an interview for my band and uh, for a band that I manage as well. It's kind of crazy, to be honest with you. So. Um, yeah, you, you're going to be on the phone for a while. Yeah, you know what? I actually, I don't mean to be a jerk and cut quick, but I'm about 15 minutes away from hitting stage in Toronto. So. Very nice. Yeah, I know. It's weird because I've been, as much as those guys are just starting tour, I've been on tour for two and a half weeks already. So um, it definitely makes it a, a, an interesting situation because my poor boys now are down in North Carolina and I'd love to be down there with them. But unfortunately, I'm stuck in this godforsaken country of Canada. And <laughs> here I am. They, they, uh, they uh, took care of us at the border when we crossed today. They didn't um, do the normal, you know, rectal exams like they normally do when we try to cross over uh, into Canada. But we're here, and, you know, like I said, we're probably about uh, 15 minutes away from hitting stage, so I'm just glad that I was able to jump on and say hi and, and talk for a couple minutes. Well, very good. Um, well, if it's, if it's all right, then, with, uh, with Micah and Christian, I guess I should ask you a few questions about uh, Less Than Jake while we have you on the line, and uh, that way if you have to go, we can, we can still chat uh, about um, There for Tomorrow. That's right. Yeah, then they can tell you all my dirty secrets after I hang up the phone, too. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll, we'll have gossip about JR once he's off the line. Yeah, I'll tell you what kind of Twinkies he likes. Yeah, funny. Ooh. I'm partial to those zingers with the frosting on the top. Ooh, Ooh I like those. Yeah, yeah. I used, I used you know, to be a fan of the Chocodiles, but they don't make those anymore. So. Oh, yeah. It's been years since I've seen those things. Yeah. Wow. All right, well, Less Than Jake's new album, uh, which I guess I've got a couple songs I can play after you're off the line. Um, Less Than Jake's new album is called Gainesville, Florida, but I noticed it's spelled G-N-V-F-L-A. What's the uh, significance of having such a a truncated, uh, short uh, representation of the city name? Well, to be honest with you, GNV is the airport code when you fly into Gainesville Airport. That's the airport code that they have on your bag tags. 
And FLA was up till about maybe, I guess, 15 or 20 years ago, they used to do three-letter abbreviations for states instead of uh, two-letter abbreviations for states. So it just kind of made sense. You know, it was like six letters, GNV, FLA, LTJ. It made sense to us. And to be honest with you, we got in too many fights over what would be a better title than that. So we just said, all right, we're going to call it that. It was everybody's second choice, probably was. Uh, Beardzilla was the second choice. Beardzilla. Oh. Yeah, yeah nice. Beardzilla, like the beard on your face, Beardzilla. Very nice. I like it. How long has Les and Jake been together? It's been ages, right? Yeah, it's actually, we're uh, on our 16th year right now, which is pretty much about the same age as Micah and Christian, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I saw Christian just had a 19th birthday. He did. That's right. He did. He did. I sent him a nice present. I told him that in, I sent him a present that said, "In two years, I'll buy you a beer celebrating your 19th birthday." <laughs> yeah. Very nice. You need to rack those up, Christian. He'll buy you three or four by the time it rolls around. I know. I'm, I'm very excited. Now, uh, let, so less than Jake's touring. Uh, you know, you're you're in Toronto tonight. You mentioned you did a you did an in-store performance earlier today, right? At Sunrise Records. Yeah, we were at Sunrise Sunrise Records today. That was a lot of fun. And then you know, uh, but, tomorrow you're going to be back in uh, Buffalo, New York, then New Hampshire, Poughkeepsie, Rochester. Looks like you're uh, you're definitely making a tour of the Northeast. Oh yeah, we're we're there, and then we start heading out west, and then at some point we go to Europe, and then at another point we're going to go back to Europe, and then I I don't know I I don't pay attention. I just wait for them to tell me what I do. I pay more attention to what There for Tomorrow does than I pay attention to what Less Than Jake does. So. <laughs> Very nice, very nice. They just tell you where. They just point you toward a stage and say, "Play, huh?" Exactly. That's why we have an awesome tour manager. He takes care of me. <laughs> well, if you've been if you've been together now about sixteen years or fifteen years and counting, um, you've done a lot of touring. Yes. Are you still uh, enjoying the touring, or is it now part of the something you just kind of have to do to, to keep the band going? Well, you know, I still enjoy performing. You know, I don't necessarily always enjoy touring or being on the road, but I still really enjoy performing, and I think we all do. If we didn't, we wouldn't be a band anymore. You know, we would probably call it quits. But um, we've also done it for so long, I'm, we're really not sure what we would do if we weren't in a band, you know. So we just kind of, yeah, I mean, we still, it's, it's still fresh, it's still new, it's still fun. We still laugh at each other and with each other, and uh, it ends up being just, you know, amazing every night, especially with kids singing back the words that we wrote. Right. It's awesome. You know, it's really awesome. Now, how about you guys, Micah and Christian? You you haven't been touring, obviously, as long. You would have been three at the time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you guys feel about life on the road? Um, it's tough. you got to make a lot of sacrifices, but um, we're kind of used to that because um, we, we're all about this band. Even at home, we're, we're just always together practicing and everything. So I think it'll be... Um, you know, kind of new for all of us, but we're, we're we're conforming to the whole lifestyle pretty well. Well, how did you four meet and form uh, There for Tomorrow? Um, actually, like, the other three guys, like Micah, Jay, and Chris were together. Like, they've been playing together since they were, like, 13. And uh, I didn't come in the band until, like, two years ago, like, two and a half years ago. And, yeah, uh, you know, and that's where, like, everything kind of started there, and we became, like, pretty much the band we are now, you know? Okay, so you, you've been kind of a different sound then just in the last couple of years, coming together oh, and yeah. something unique. Well, yeah, we um, when we were 13, you know, we started with, like, me, Chris, and Jay, and this other guy, an older friend. 
we played like you know no effects covers and Green Day and Blink One Eighty Two covers, but you know that's how it starts off. We're young kids, and then sure. you know, as, as we grew older, you know, maturity comes with you know maturing as musician and just our personalities and characters as a whole. So I think we've been together for so long, and now you know Christian's been with us for three years. We, you know, we're just all kind of we understand every, like everybody in the band and their whole picture, and the chemistry's great, so it all works out. Now, uh, Jr., how did you get involved with There for Tomorrow? Yeah, I can't actually remember how I um, found them. Either I found them on MySpace or they added me as a friend. I know what it was. What was it? I remember because you messaged us from your MySpace because I was the one that, like, read it. And, yeah, Mm -hmm. it was definitely from MySpace. And you messaged us. I don't know if we added you or not, but I don't know. But I got this message from this dude that I had no idea who the hell he was. And uh, now I do. Yeah, well, well, basically, you know, I, I listened to the songs and I thought they were really advanced for a bunch of kids that were super young, you know. And I, I managed another act called The Hire from Las Vegas, Nevada. And, you know, I was looking into picking up another client and I saw these kids and I was like, wow, these are really, you know, four good-looking kids. The sound is really cool. And they're from Florida, you know, and my band's based out of Gainesville and they're based out of Orlando. So I was like, this kind of makes sense, you know. So I sent him a message and figured I'd meet up with him, and I did. And lo and behold, a year later, you know, they're signed to Hopeless Records. They have an amazing EP that's out digitally and that's coming out uh, physically October 5th. And it's really cool, you know. They're great kids. They're hardworking. They have a really good work ethic, and I respect that because for an old guy like me, you know, it's I've worked very hard to get to where I'm at in my life, and it's nice to be working with some kids that have the same kind of work ethic that I had when I was their age, you know. You don't want people that just are going to screw around and not take it seriously. Well, I mean, it's not no. about, you're supposed to have fun. You're supposed to have fun. That's rule number one, and that's what I always try to tell those guys. It's like, you're supposed to have fun. But, two, there's a responsibility that's involved, you know, and it is like if you want your band to succeed and move forward, then you have to do things. You have to be good to your fans. You have to go on tour. You have to sign the records. You have to do the interviews. And you have to smile the whole time when you're doing it and at least pretend you're having fun. You know what I mean? So um, I just try, you know, (laughs) I just try to pass along whatever twisted information and life experience that I've had towards them, and hopefully it will help them out in their career, you know. Very nice. Now, now, Jr., you guys have actually started your own label. Less, less than Jake has had. You've been on indie labels. You've been on major labels. I have a couple of your, a couple of your uh, releases on one of my shelves around here. Um, but you've actually started your own label now. How, you finally just basically got sick of uh, of of the runaround, or how did that end up happening? You know, we were on Warner Brothers, and we were asked if we wanted to stay or go, and we said we wanted to go, and we figured, you know, with the experience that all of us, the front of us have, it would be better for us to just put out our own record, because, you know, we can write marketing plans, and we know how to market our bands probably better than any other label could, you know, so it's just for us, at, at this point in our career, 16 years, we didn't need a label anymore, we just needed somebody to give us some, uh, you know, money, basically. <laughs> Well, you certainly are going to care more about the success of your band than uh, you know than anyone else is going to. They, they're going to care about their job. In your case, you actually are looking beyond the, the most immediate and thinking about the long term. 
Well, I mean, that's what we've always been thinking about, and it's already long-term, you know. And, you know, I, I hate to be that guy, but I have to go because my tour manager's pulling me off, and here I am in the dressing room about to take my horn off. But thank you guys very much for the interview. Micah and Christian, you guys work hard. I love you guys. And um, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, JR. All right, best of luck. All right, well, All right we'll, we'll, we'll play a couple of uh, uh, Less Than Jake samples uh, in a little while, but uh, just wanted to kind of reorder things and make sure we uh, we asked him questions while you while you guys hung out. So back to you guys. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what's what's it been like actually working with you know a more experienced manager? I mean, has it uh, has it changed much the way you've uh, you've approached touring or home production or anything like that? Um, definitely. I mean, it always helps to have that um, you know, kind of second opinion, especially from someone who knows what the heck he's talking about. You know, he's been in the game for a while now, and we're just a bunch of younglings, so we really look up to him because he's done everything that you know we want to do. And um, he, he really think we really think that he knows where to take us, and uh, we're a good team with him. Well, you certainly could do worse than uh, to end up in the same spot he's been in another, uh, you know, twelve to sixteen years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Christian, you mentioned that you just joined the band about three years ago. How did you find there for tomorrow? Um. I actually, I went to school with Jay. He was, like, a little older than me, but I had gone to school with him, and I grew up in the same neighborhood as him. So I actually knew him since I was, like, probably 10. Like, I've known him, and, you know, and it was just kind of weird how it all worked out because I never thought I would be in the same band with him, you know, on the other side of the U.S., you know, you know, eight years later. So sure. it's pretty cool, though. And you guys are going to be on the uh, Vans Warp Tour. Yes, sir. Uh, July 31st to August 4th, or, yeah, I think so, something like that. Obensville, Indiana, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Chicago, Illinois, Minneapolis. The uh, the MySpace page is definitely a treasure trove of information. It's my, uh, again, for anybody that has missed it, myspace.com slash there for tomorrow. That's T-H-E-R-E for tomorrow. Uh, oh, yeah, know. everything's there, all the info. There you go, yeah, that's right. It's got the full tour information. And uh, South Hackensack. Underwear sizes. My favorite. <laughs> yeah, underwear sizes. Sweetness. Well, and I noticed you, uh, you've you got your usual endorsements, Sennheiser, Gibson, and stuff like that. You've also uh, got a tag on your MySpace for To Write Love on Her Arms, which is actually a, a project I, I'm quite interested in. I'm not wearing my To Write Love on Her Arms t-shirt tonight, but uh, how did you guys get involved in that one? Um, well, it's a lot of... They're out of Florida, so uh, a lot of, um, you know, bands that we are good friends with, you know, we're already connected with them. You know, like one of our close band friends in uh, Between the Trees, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're from yep. Orlando as well. And, um, you know, we, we just grew up, you know, playing some of the same shows and in the whole same scene, and we saw the things they were trying to do with that organization, and we really believed in you know, some of the things they're pushing because we write songs and, like, the similar kind of um, thing they're going for. So I think we really um, respected what they were doing, and we became good friends with a couple of the guys over there at To Write Love. So we really like to support it, and they like to support us as well. Very nice. 
Well, let's uh, let's play another. Well, let's see. Let's try to mix it up a little bit. Or uh, should I play another uh, "There for Tomorrow" song? Or I've actually got a couple of Less Than Jake songs that I didn't uh, didn't get a chance to sneak in while uh, while Jr. was still on the phone. Um, let's see. Let's actually jump to another "There for Tomorrow" song. Uh, this is Pages. Do you want to say anything about it? Um, we'll yeah, you... I mean, we're uh, you know young band growing up, and there's a lot of changes we've been through, but. Uh... We've never um, ever neglected those changes. We've always known who we were. So that's what it's about, just always knowing who you are and your past makes up who you are in the future. All right. Here's a sample of pages. All right. from the new EP, the self-titled EP from There for Tomorrow. Uh, remind listeners you can order it at iTunes or other fine digital music emporia. Uh, and, of course, check out the website at myspace.com slash tomorrow. Now, I have to tell you, I mean, I, I'm pretty familiar with Less Than Jake. I've got at least two of their albums in my collection already. But I, I had not actually heard you guys before about late last night. Oh, wow. <laughs> Nice. But I uh, got got some info from your publicist and uh, and started listening. And I just I've actually listened to listened to the EP beginning to end about three times, uh, you know, in the middle of a busy work day. So uh, it's it's some very well written stuff, very uh, melodic, catchy, nice hooks. And thank uh, you, sir. Thank I, you. I think, I think the lyrics are pretty amazing. Now, how, how do you guys end up writing the music? Do you, you kind of do it in pieces? Is it a collaborative effort? Um, well, I started them off, you know, lyrically. I write all the lyrics and, um, you know, the melodies and everything. I take care of the vocals, and then we, we like to base the songs around the vocals because that's, to us, the most important part, and um, the music is arranged around the vocal parts and each melody, and we, you know, I, I, I just kind of find a foundation for a song, whether it's, you know, intro to the first chorus or something like that, and then we all come together, and I'll show them the idea and practice, and you know, we'll have things to change, and then we'll actually go in there and just take it part by part and try to, you know, bang it out with, you know, the instrumental arrangements and, every, and everything else, you know. So um, in the end, it's a collaborative effort, but it starts off definitely with um, just lyrically and um, melodically with the, the melodies and everything. Well, this uh, this EP has got seven songs on it, so it's it's actually a 
pretty lengthy bit of music. Um, yeah. You know, for, for an EP, nice, nice, good value there, I, I guess. Um, she, are you going to be working then on a full, full-length album that includes these songs and a few more? Yeah. Um, are you asking about the full-length? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, we're definitely lo- looking to do a full-length, hopefully in 09. Um, and, I mean, we've, we're constantly, like, writing. We have tons of ideas that we're always, you know, th- thrown out and stuff. So, you know, we're, d- we're definitely looking to shoot to do something in 2009, for sure. Very nice. Yeah, the, uh, I, I think I mentioned earlier that the physical copy of this album, uh, right now it's all digital, which isn't that the way most people end up with music anyway? Yeah, uh, very much nowadays. But for, uh, like, really, really old people who still like uh, physical media, CDs and <laughs> things like that, uh, it will will be in stores August 5th. At that point, you'll be able to browse your, your finer record stores, of course, we say. I mean, you know, it could be Walmart, but uh, <laughs> we would still say finer record stores. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Very nice. All right, well, I've got a couple of uh, Less Than Jake songs that I should probably play, um, you know, to make the publicist happy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure, man. <laughs> so do you guys want to stick around and uh, chat for another minute after that? Yeah, sure. If you've got time. All right, hold on just a sec then. Um, a couple of songs from uh, JR's band, Less Than Jake. Um, he had to run, but this is a sample of Does the Lion City Still Roar? sample to play. Uh, this is a bit of a song called Settling Sun. I think the, the lyrics on this one are quite good and wish we'd had a chance to ask JR about it. Uh, this is Settling Sun from Less Than Jake. But stay, we believe, it's okay to leave, so we're 
was Settling Sun from Less Than Jake. Uh, it's a song about growing up, and it also, I think, reflects a little bit of, I don't want to say a move away from ska for Less Than Jake, um, but it, 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 you did notice maybe the lack of JR's contribution. JR plays the sax for Less Than Jake, and there were no horns on that song. So if, if not moving away, then maybe a little bit of growing up for that band as well. Uh, do check out Less Than Jake's MySpace at myspace.com slash Jake. Now, uh, Micah and Christian, one last question before I let you go. Um, what, I mean, are, are you thinking about beyond the, the tour and, and the Warped tour? I mean, do you know what, what it is that comes next for There for Tomorrow? Or are you just, uh, uh, yes, sir. We actually say, do. Oh, very good. Um, What's that? Well, after Warp Tour, uh, we are going to be heading out with a band called Ivory Line. Uh, we have actually not posted those dates yet, but I mean, we're, we're going to be hitting up like all the U.S. and we'll, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to stay on the road and keep pushing the uh, the EP that's coming out August 5th. And uh, you know, we're just going to try and stay busy, you know, and definitely keep writing songs all at the same time. Very nice, very nice. We'll keep touring, keep working hard. And um, hopefully we'll see you around. I, I'm in Dallas, so hopefully I'll see you around Dallas Way sometime. We will be there, sir. Excellent, excellent. Yes, sir. Well, the band is uh, is there for tomorrow. The, their website is myspace.com slash there for tomorrow. That is T-H-E-R-E-F-O-R-T-O-M-O-R-R-O-W. And uh, thank you very much to uh, Micah and Christian for uh, joining us tonight. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Well, let's see. Uh, if you just tuned in and uh, and you're confused about what's going on here, I, I guess I have some bad news for you because I've been here since the beginning and I'm still a touch confused myself. But uh, this is BC Radio Live with Lisa and Philip, and uh, I, I'm I'm the Philip, by the way. Our next guest uh, is a U.S. representative from New York's 14th district. She's held that seat since 1993. And uh, despite Carolyn Maloney's success in rising to high elected office, she believes that quite a bit of work remains to be done to address real problems in gender inequity. Her book is called Rumors of Our Progress Have Been Greatly Exaggerated, Why Women's Lives Aren't Getting Any Easier, and How We Can Make Real Progress for Ourselves and Our Daughters. It's a great pleasure to introduce you to the show. Welcome, Carolyn Maloney. Well, thank you for having me. And my co-host Lisa should probably speak up here uh, as well because I, I I mentioned before the show that I, I'm afraid I, I lack some of the uh, basic requirements for uh, an in-depth conversation on gender inequity. So. Well, you know, I'm going to disagree with that, Philip, because I think that Congresswoman Maloney would probably agree when I say that gender equity is good for men as well as women. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely Lisa. It's, it's I, I really believe important. it's a family issue and it's exactly. a children's issue. And well, it's, uh, worth noting, it's worth noting that my views on uh, on gender equality or gender inequity have become. I, I'd always thought, in general, that it would be good if if men and women were treated equally and had equal opportunity and and so on. Uh, but it, it became a much more important, more central issue for me when I I, uh, I had a daughter. Oh. <laughs> and now now I have two, so it's it's at least doubly important. And you know, then I kind of rewound and thought, you know, it's it's really important for my wife too. So yeah, I, I can see that. Well, Philip, uh, Congresswoman Maloney, let me let me ask you. Um, certainly, uh, well, I'm I'm a woman who's you know I grew up in the 50s and 60s, started college in seven, 1970. So I think I've I've sort of seen 
an awful lot of progress, and certainly the world that I'm living in now. And I've I've worked. I've been married for over 30 years. I've worked full time through my entire marriage, raised a kid. I'm living in a way different world now than the one I grew up in. Um, what is the seamy underbelly of, of gender inequality? Because certainly we've just seen a woman make a really successful run at the presidency. We've seen, um, we've got women at all levels of government, all sorts of professions, high levels of business. What are we missing? What aren't we seeing? Well, I think, uh, Lisa, we have made tremendous uh, progress, and we do have uh, live in the most wonderful country in the world. Uh, but I, I think that it screams out that there's something wrong with our current economic and social policies uh, to find out that one of the most powerful uh, predictors of poverty in old age is motherhood. And the poorest people in America t- today are older single women and children. And uh, for every Hillary Clinton and Every Nancy Pelosi, who is the first female speaker, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court, and Condoleezza Rice, there are thousands of women that are stuck in cement and can't move forward. So while we have this image that we've made this great progress, and uh, there is still a huge uh, gap in the conventional wisdom between how far people believe women have come versus how far they actually have. And I I point out in the book uh, stories about individual women uh, and challenges. Uh, For example, the Lily Ledbetter case where a woman uh, found out through her colleagues that she was uh, paid well under what other managers were in her firm. She goes to the Supreme Court, and, and the Supreme Court says if you don't bring a suit within the first six months of your employment, uh, then you can never bring a suit. We tried to ch- correct that in Congress. It did not pass the Senate. You call that progress? And uh, when you look at certain companies like Walmart, where 60% of the employees are women, yet they even have a, a company policy that if you tell anyone what you're being paid, uh, then uh, you can be fired. And uh, one consistent uh, statistic is just as consist- consistent as the trying to uh, just as hard to change as to get George Bush to change his mind is the wage gap. For after, over the past 20 years, uh, there's been a, a 20% tax on, on women. They're, they're still paid 20% less than men. And it has a lot of government studies that have statistics in it that, that show that uh, uh, particularly in, when you move to management level, uh, women are losing ground, not, not gaining ground. And uh, so we still have many challenges, and they're their efforts to roll back uh, uh, many of the gains that were made in, in the 50s and 60s and 70s uh, uh, for women during the last several years of the Bush administration, such as attempts to roll back uh, uh, Title IX. And I, I wonder when I, I see uh, Hillary Clinton, and she almost became president, uh, yet she could not uh, join or play golf at Augusta, which I think is ridiculous in today's society. So there's still... Uh, barriers there and things we can do to improve women's lives. And as, as Philip pointed out, it's very much a man's issue. If you discriminate against a woman in her pay, and 60% of married women work because they have to, uh, then you discriminate against her husband and her children. And uh, and, and uh, I, like a Philip, I'd like a better life for my daughters than the one uh, that you and I had in the challenges that we faced uh, and, and overcame. Now, this this is the part where I, I wish, just in the scope of this one conversation, I wish I wasn't a man, uh, 
um, be, because I feel compelled to uh, speak up on behalf of, of listeners who aren't calling in to protest. Um, I think the usual objection and is when people talk about a wage gap or, or talk, you know, primarily, the usual objection is that a lot of that is self-selecting. As you, as you mentioned, 60% uh, of women work outside the home, um, and yet that number is, you know, I think it's high 80s or low 90s for men. And some people argue that that gap alone explains the wage gap. Well, I, I think also if you if you look at uh, small businesses, uh, four times uh, as many women start small businesses as men. And if you interview them, they say it's because of the inflexibility of the of the uh, work structure, of the uh, uh, of, of needing the balance between work and family. Uh, just two weeks ago, I passed a bill for paid family leave for federal workers, which is how a lot of reforms start. You start in the federal government and then move to the general uh, public. And it was the first bill to pass to balance work and family since 1993, the Family and Medical Leave Act, uh, which was uh, vetoed by Bush 1 and passed in the Clinton administration. And it was a a huge uh, success, I think, for men and women to have 12 weeks of unpaid leave and uh, not face the decision that you might be fired because you had a child. And I don't know about you, Lisa, when my first daughter was born, I was terrified of being fired. I called the personnel office and asked for a leave policy, and they said, uh, there is none. Women just leave. Uh, and uh, if you look at uh, Social Security and and uh, and uh, even the tax structure, there there are ways that it can be more balanced and fair to both men and women. Why do you think we're so resistant? Because we certainly talk a good game. I mean, we we claim that we're we're all about family and all about you know preserving that family unit. Why are we so resistant to doing things that actually will help family? I think that's a very good question, and and I find it so hypocritical if you just listen to the rhetoric on the floor of Congress. They talk family values all the time. But if you look at what has actually happened to balance work and family, it's not there. Uh, I had one constituent who deducted $600,000 from his taxes for taking his clients out to scores, which is a strip joint uh, in my district. And uh, yet women who have to work and face tremendous challenges in finding affordable and available uh, child care cannot deduct the cost of child care, which is essential, or men, uh, for essential for their ability uh, to work. And I, I think there is a tremendous resistance and I think a tremendous hypocrisy. Uh, I, I campaigned with Hillary Clinton, and, and uh, I remember in New Hampshire they were literally holding up signs that said, Iron My Shirt, get out of the race and iron my shirt. Uh, yeah, there's a Facebook uh, that says that Hillary Clinton make my sandwich and get out of the race. Uh, there's even a website on Media Matters that that uh, lets you look at all the outrageous statements that were made and sexist statements and demeaning statements that were really uh, very disrespectful to uh, anyone, particularly a member of the United States Senate. And I don't think it would have been tolerated if these outrageous statements had been uh, said about the other two uh, candidates. I, I think, Lisa, it was a very interesting campaign because everybody was a protected class. I've never seen that in my life. You had the first African-American, the first woman, and the first uh, senior, all of which have uh, laws to protect them against discrimination. But I think if there had been uh, sexist uh, comments or, or rather uh, 
racist comments or signs uh, flashed at Senator Obama, there would be rightfully outrage among the commentators and uh, among the general public. But to have demeaning, sexist statements uh, said about Hillary, and uh, you know, uh, uh, one one respected journalist said that uh, you know he felt castrated when she when he looked at her. I mean, that may be good for ratings, but it certainly is a demeaning statement. And I think if it had been said uh, to either of the other two candidates, there would be uh, uh, an outrage. But for women, it just seems like it's accepted. Um, and I, yeah, I don't I think, think that uh, people spoke up enough to stop uh, this type of demeaning, attacking statements. Well, I think what's really hurtful, too, is that I've heard a lot of comments similar to that coming from other women. Um, and I think that there is, uh, there's still a huge amount of, of prejudice in, in society in general about women in positions of power. Uh, I'm sure that you've heard women who exhibit the kinds of qualities you look for in a leader in very unfavorable terms, whereas if you call a man any of those things, you say, well, of course, he's, he's a good leader. That's why he's all of those things. Um, so I think we really do hold women to a very different and very unfair standard. Um, can we That's talk true, Lisa. Wasn't it Ginger Rogers who said, I do everything he does, only in... High heels and backwards, talking backwards. about dancing with Fred right. Astaire. Exactly. And, and we're still really far behind in many cases. Uh, we're 51% of the population, but still only 16% of uh, Congress and only 2% of the Fortune 500 CEOs and and uh, uh, only 14% of corporate boards. And, and, uh, and even though we have a law that said that women should get 5% of uh, federal contracts, which is the largest uh, contractor in, in the country, giving out billions and billions in federal contracts. Only two percent uh, went to women. Even when it's the law, it can't. They can't seem to make it happen uh, uh, to help women. So that underneath this, there are um, many uh, uh, many challenges uh, for women, and uh, we point that out in various uh, uh, situations. Um, we we still don't have health care. Forty-eight million uh, Americans have no health care. Uh, many more are underinsured, and uh, the stories of their lives uh, and their quest to get it are outlined in the book. But often women are more dependent on uh, federal programs, so when the cutbacks come to those programs, uh, it disproportionately hurts them. Where do you think we stand right now in terms of reproductive rights? I, I kind of get the feeling that we're in danger of sliding backwards on that issue? Oh, we're definitely sliding backwards on that issue, and choice uh, hangs by a single vo vote in the Supreme Court. Uh, I keep on a, my website a scorecard on uh, reproductive choice, and I have well over 150 anti-choice votes that have passed the United States Congress, rolling back, chipping away at a woman's right to choose. Uh, I did a poll, and most uh, women, particularly young women, believe that choice is not in jeopardy, but if you look at 80% uh, of the counties uh, no longer provide abortion uh, services, there are constant uh, attempts to pass legislation that would uh, chip, chip away at a woman's right to choose. And, and uh, that's another right that we had that is being eroded and rolled backwards. You know, on family and medical leave, I just want to mention, uh, there was a survey done by Harvard University and we rank last. We're tied with uh, Papua New Guinea 
and uh, Swaziland in terms of uh, providing support and paid family leave for the birth of a new child. I mean, this is astonishing statistics. And um, uh, another is the happiness gap. The, these studies show that women are, are becoming less and less happy. And I think one point is that studies show since, since 1979, many women have lost the equivalent of one night's sleep per week due to the demands of balancing uh, work and family and and juggling uh, your job and and uh, trying to do all the things that a mother and a wife and a, and a professional has to do. Your book covers, or it basically has two parts. Um, you know, the, the, the subtitle is Why Women's Lives Aren't Getting Any Easier. I think we've, we've covered some of that. And uh, I, I suspect most people wouldn't deny that there are problems. People might, uh, you know, assign different levels of priority to the problem or might not understand how urgent the problem is in some ways. Uh, but the, the other part of the title is how we can make real progress for our, ourselves and our daughters. What are some of the things that you're 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 proscribing? Well, I, we have a, an outline of things you can do to to help yourself and to help other women, and to get out there and make change. Um, it gives uh, examples and inspirational stories of what other women have overcome, uh, but ways that you can advocate for. For um, to end uh, wage discrimination, uh, the organizations that are out there and advocacy groups and their websites where you can get information, uh, ways you can work uh, to to uh, work with a uh, mentor, uh, help uh, create workplaces that work for families uh, so that there's more flexibility. Uh, just talking about work and family balance, uh, it gives uh, examples of legislation that has passed and that's still pending that if we got behind with one voice, would, would pass. And organizations that you can join or read or know more about, I have a website out there called uh, Rumors of Our Progress Are Greatly Exaggerated. Uh, people write me in my office all the time with ideas and uh, programs that they're involved in or programs that have helped them. And uh, it's a way to get out there and uh, fight to eradicate problems and uh, work to make changes. Well, we've got uh, we've got a couple of uh, callers on the line. We've got at least one person who'd uh, who'd apparently like to ask a question. Uh, caller, you're on the air with Congresswoman Maloney. Hello. Hi. Hi. Who's calling? All right. Well, we will uh, we will skip that line. It might be a, a technical error. And uh, let's check this line. You're on the air with Congresswoman Maloney. Uh. Is this Martha? It is. All right, let me put you back on hold for a second then. Okay, that's actually the, the next guest on the line and the first call, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure what happened with it, so I will just go ahead and disconnect that. Sorry about the uh, switchboard interruption. Well, we are, uh, we are actually out of time, unfortunately. Um, this, this really is, I, I think, an interesting topic, and it, it's one of those things where, speaking as a guy, um, and, and, and worse, I would say, as a guy who's, uh, whose background probably puts him in the, uh, you know, if not the actual hold up and make me a sandwich sign, uh, certainly someone who, who would be greatly amused by such things in, in the right circumstances, um, but I, I mean, I, I think times have changed enough that, you know, as a, as a 36-year-old father of, of two daughters, I, I consider myself, you know, firmly, wholly, completely uh, on the side of an advocate for women 
uh, for equal treatment in the workplace, for, um, you know, we, we might disagree on, on individual policy prescriptions, I suppose, but, uh, but generally uh, I, I'm definitely in the category of, you know, we need to do what we can to make sure that our, our daughters feel as, as great about the future as our sons do. Um, so I, I really appreciate uh, you know, you're you're writing this book. I uh, I'm definitely going to pick up a copy myself. I haven't had a chance to look through it yet, but uh, this this is one that uh, that I will definitely be going through to see what I, I can do. Philip, that's great. Daughter. You can order it on uh, Amazon.com or your local bookstore, and uh, I I hope you will order it and read it. I think you'll learn a lot about what some of the challenges are and what we can do to make a difference. And one thing that is not uh, exaggerated is the ability for American women and men to get out there and make differences, uh, both large and small, and the book points out ways to do that. Very good. Well, I think uh, New York's 14th District is, is well represented, and uh, thank you very much for thank being you. on the show tonight. Thank, thank you, and I have a website for the book, too, for your reading, for your public. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Well, the, uh, the book is called Rumors of Our Progress Have Been Greatly Exaggerated, and you can order a copy for yourself at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. Uh, I will be doing that myself uh, as soon as the show is over. Um, so very much uh, thanks to Congresswoman Maloney for talking with us. Uh, this is BC Radio Live, and we are your hosts, Lisa and Philip. And as we've already noted, uh, our next guest is on the air with us. Uh, if your memory is not what it used to be, and I'm not talking about amnesia, I just mean the sort of thing that seems to happen uh, more and more the older we get, uh, like forgetting someone's name, why exactly I was walking towards that room, and where the heck I left my car keys. Uh, if that's true of you, Martha Lear has some answers for you and has written a book called Where Did I Leave My Glasses? The What, When, and Why of Normal Memory Loss. Welcome to BC Radio Live, Martha. Thanks. Who did I say I'm talking to? I tend <laughs> to forget these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Philip. I can uh, I can remind you a couple times throughout the, uh, the segment Hi, if needed. And, and Lisa is also on the phone with us. Hi, Lisa. Then the only question that remains is, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, I have to admit, we've we've had a, a bit of fun at your expense in the past. This this is actually the third attempt to have you on the show. Um, and through a series of, of miscommunications, apparently uh, the first two have ended up with us um, looking for a caller who wasn't there. So <laughs> we uh, we definitely uh, we definitely made a few jokes about how you'd forgotten to call right, in. Right, right, right. Uh, that's me. That's me, the caller who invariably isn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we finally connected with you, though. So am I. Thank you. Well, you, your title seems to highlight a difference. You, you, you seem to make the point. It's the what, when, and why of normal memory loss. And I, I contrasted that with amnesia in my introduction. But, but really, there, there is, as people age, there are issues that affect memory that are you know, really bad. Senility, Alzheimer's, these are, these are horrible, scary, terrifying diseases um, that, that tend to affect more the elderly. Uh, but you're, you're saying that there is, in contrast with that, there are things that happen just as part of life? As normally uh, as the graying of hair and uh, the softening of muscles and the wrinkling of skin is that our, our memories tend, with time, to grow less sharp than they used to be. And, it, you know, there are physiological reasons 
certain parts of the brain, for example, the front part, the frontal lobes of the brain tend to shrink a little bit as we get older, and those are the areas of the brain that control functions that have to do with stuff like remembering names or where did I leave my keys or why did I go into the kitchen or, you know, stuff like that that we all begin to have trouble with when we get typically into our late 40s, early 50s. That's when the symptoms begin to show, and it's normal. Wow, I'm in real trouble then because that, that sometimes happens to me and I, I'm 36. Oh, well, maybe, you know, there's something else. Let me stress. <laughs> no two, obviously, no two, no two brains are alike. Right. Despite, despite our, our lovely, um, our lovely uh, patriotic uh, myth of all being equal, no two brains are equal. And some of us have a leg up in certain cognitive areas and others and others. And it may be that you've always had a little more problem remembering names than other people do, and you may have had uh, better memory in certain other areas than I would. Of course, most anybody has better memory in any area than I do. But we vary, you know, and people tend to get scared. And the reason they get scared and the reason that I wrote Where Did I Leave My Glasses is that it scares the hell out of us because we don't know that it's normal. We accept right. all these other very visible signs of these benign signs of aging, like, as I said before, you know, hair getting gray, skin tending to begin to wrinkle. doesn't scare us. We don't like it. We wish it wasn't happening, but it doesn't scare us. But anything that has to do with, with cognition, with with brain function tends to terrify us. And so, right, because after all, isn't that who we are? I mean, I think, therefore I am. Of course. And it isn't simply that brain function is who we are, but more, I think, more specifically, more precisely honed down to its very nub is the fact that memory is who we are. I mean, think about that. Without memory, who the hell are you? What well, did you do yesterday? Who's your family? Gone. What's anything, you know? Yeah. So memory is everything. Memory is history. Memory is all of you. And when you begin, I mean all of yourself, and when you right. begin to perhaps um, feel a weakening in your memory, when you think, oh, good Lord, I can't remember where I parked the car. That's happened to me yet again. It happened to me a couple of weeks ago and now today. Right away, the first terrifying thought is, oh, Lord, is this Alzheimer's disease, you know, the great, the great fear of our time. And, sure, some of us um, may end up with some form of dementia, but most of us won't. And we should understand that this kind of memory loss is part of the, uh, I suppose, the price we pay for the blessing of longevity. And if right. you ask me, that's you know, that's a price I'm more than willing to pay. If the average lifespan was 40, none of us would ever forget anything before kicking the bucket. That's a very good point. That's quite so. Except, and of course, for you, because you're 36 and you're... Yeah, 30. yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't like to die in the next four years, actually. I, I'd, I'd like to have another 40 after that, please. Okay, I'll arrange it. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, your book, you, you've got a lot of interviews. I mean, you, you're, you're a journalist. You're not uh, a scientist yourself in terms of uh, understanding brain function. But you, you spent a lot of time interviewing, you know, psychologists, uh, evolutionary biologists, uh, much like uh, we had one on the, the show last week talking about why our brains work the way they do, mm-hmm. um, and neuroscientists and, and people like that. What, I mean, do, do you find that they're all aware of the types of things you're writing about in your book, or, or were you having to really weave together pieces, little tiny pieces of which no one had the whole picture? Oh, of course, they're all aware. Uh, I, I hope that I wove together pieces that um, um, that perhaps lay readers, lay persons like myself, hadn't had the whole picture of before. Um, if I didn't do that, why did I do the book? Sure, <laughs> right, I hope that right. I that I put that story together in ways that most people who are scared of memory loss. Uh, hadn't been aware of before, but but the, the neuroscientists, of course, they know. Um, this is what they spend their lifetimes working on. And since the advent in the early 1990s of brain scan technology, mm-hmm. which is really it's amazing stuff. Right. It. I think that in 50 years, it will be looked back upon brain scan technology is maybe the greatest step forward in the understanding of human function since um, Freud's uh, concept of the unconscious. Because with this technology, they are able for the first time to look at the brain while to hook you up and give you some tasks to perform and see what parts of your brain do what in the performance of that task. It's an amazing step forward. So this is how they know which parts of the brain store short-term memories, which parts are responsible for those converting to long-term memories, things like that? Precisely. And it is how they know which parts of the brain are responsible for the kinds of memory. I shouldn't say loss because it's not really loss. It's weakening. It's just... It's you know you meet me uh, at a at a party and he, mm-hmm. my name is Martha. Uh, we talk for a while. We have a very pleasant conversation. Ten minutes later, you can't remember my name. It's not that it's gone. The name is there, and I can, if you want, I can propose a few little tactics that the neuroscientists suggest to help you remember it. But the fact is. It's there. It's all in there. It's just that as we get older, the part of the brain that helps us retrieve that information is working a little slower than it used to. So that maybe an hour later, you know, it's going to pop out, oh, yeah, her name was Martha. But it's there, (laughs) you know. Yeah, we've – let me just interrupt with a a bit of an administrative note. We have uh, less than one minute left here before we're going to lose the live broadcast. We can actually go a few minutes beyond that and uh, record it for the archive. But anybody who's listening that would like to catch the rest of the show live is welcome to call 646-595-3195. That's 646-595-3195. I won't uh, bring you on the air, but you'll be able to listen in and not be interrupted when we switch to the after show in 31 seconds. Um, Yeah, we've actually – it's funny. We've had a – 
this topic seems to keep coming up. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we had an evolutionary biologist on uh, last week talking about why our brains uh, are, you know, the author of Clues, why our brains store things haphazardly. We've, we've talked before, uh, I think, filling in the gaps of, uh, of the first time we, we weren't able to connect. We talked about some research that had just come out that week suggesting um, that when you, when you can't remember a fact that you, you should be able to remember, you know, like a song lyric, a person's name, something like that, that uh, what, you, what you in fact don't want to do is struggle to remember it. Exactly. That in doing so, you, you simply reinforce that, you know, fruitless neural pathway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that in fact, uh, if you just kind of ignore it, forget about it, ask someone else, find some other way to look the information up. See, for, for example, I'll just tell you right now, I'm not remembering your name. I have it in about 24-point type up on my screen in front of me, as well as written on a piece of paper next to my laptop in case something happens to the laptop. Uh, you mentioned earlier, where did I park? Every mm-hmm. time I park somewhere, uh, like you know, if I go to a concert or an event, somewhere that it's not just you know, my office or my home, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I use my phone and I take a picture of the parking space number. Oh, I don't have to remember where I park anymore. I just check my phone when I leave. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I, I don't even bother trying to remember half the things that uh, I think a lot of people worry about. Well, that, that's really nice. I am, I fear, um, so profoundly technologically retarded that I don't begin to understand the stuff that takes pictures, you know, that you, <laughs> you hold in your hand and you take a picture with the cars. I don't, I can barely operate a cell phone. <laughs> a cell phone. <laughs> Um, but it's marvelous that you do that. Of course, any little tricks that we can do to help ourselves remember, yeah, we should. Why not? Are, are those the sorts of things um, you mentioned that you, you did have some tips from neuroscientists yeah. to, to help us? What, what yeah. kinds of things are those? They're not magical. They're ordinary little tips, but the neuroscientists are all familiar with them. And since the trouble remembering names is the single most common symptom, of this kind of normal memory loss. Um, They suggest various ways of helping us to remember names. You just uh, pointed out quite rightly that it might be helpful to stop struggling to remember it and instead think of other things or whatever. But uh, it is also helpful, perhaps, to, instead of doing what people very often do, which is, for example, when they meet Mary, to say to themselves quite desperately, Mary, 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 you know, that that repetitive thing, hoping that it'll stick, that does no good whatever. And what is... That doesn't surprise me. (laughs) And what is, in, in neurological terms, far more helpful is what the psychologists call spaced rehearsal technique, which is a very fancy way of saying simply... Slow down. Say it to yourself. Wait maybe 10 seconds. Repeat it. Say it to yourself again. Wait 20 or 30 seconds. Do that three or four times. And it is making a neurological imprint that is far more effective than when you're frantically saying the name again and again and again. I suppose when you're saying it again and again, you're essentially chanting syllables without real meaning. Well, names, well, that's part of the problem with names. They have no real meaning anyway. I mean, some do, of course, uh, June or Violet, but most names do not. And that's one of the reasons that names are so difficult to remember, because memory works by association. 
And um, if I say the word, you are now you're in a studio, I assume, and you're perhaps at a desk, and you can associate the word desk with a thousand different things, a place mm-hmm. to um, rest your hands, to put a telephone on, to write on, whatever. But mm-hmm. Martha, <laughs> my name, it's meaningless. And um, so since, as I say, memory works by association, one of the ways in which you can help yourself is to try, it's phony, but it helps, try to build an association with that meaningless name so that you might, for example, uh, if you think of any other Marthas, if you know any Mm -hmm. other Marthas, close your eyes and get a strong visual image because visual memory is much more powerful than verbal memory of of me and some other Martha. Or think of Martha's you don't know, the old-time comedian Martha Ray or Martha mm-hmm. whatever, Martha Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very good. Build an association, however you can do it. You are giving meaning to something that intrinsically does not have meaning, and that will help you remember. You know, many, literally, you know, almost 20 years ago, I, uh, I was introduced to a couple named Sharon and Wendell. And I remember their names, though I've not seen them in roughly 18 years, because the guy I was with at the time was trying to use uh, mnemonic tricks. He, he uh-huh. would try to use, you know, some, do something with someone's name to help him remember. So we were both introduced to Sharon and Wendell at the same time, uh, and he kind of nodded and you know, shook, shook their hands, and then he smiled. And he said, got it. Okay, great, thanks. And um, so as soon as they walked away, I asked him what it was. And at the time, S&W Beans were running these radio commercials, really, mm-hmm. really cute little jingle. Um, and so he said, it, it's quite simple. He just he, he thought of the S&W jingle when he was looking at them and that now he was pretty confident that having remembered that, it would lead him to Sharon and Wendell. Now, I never understood how just the letters S and W got him to Sharon and Wendell, except that because we exchanged that moment talking about it, here I am, like 20 years later. There you I, are, and, yeah. And, and I remember their names. Yeah, well, I well, well it, isn't so, it isn't so much his, I would guess, it isn't so much um, his uh, mnemonic system, although that's a, that's a very basic common system, um, of you know getting the the first uh, initials, but I I would guess that it isn't so much that that has kept Cheryl and Wendell in your memory, um, as as you are being impressed by the way he used a mnemonic. It's that yeah. I think that has stayed in your memory. I would I was thinking about this as you were telling it to me, and I think I would probably think um, Sherry and Wednesday, and then I I would think of holding a bottle of sherry on a Wednesday. I mean, something really dumb, you know, mm-hmm. but it's amazing how these things help. I, I find myself, uh, when I need to remember something, I ask whomever I'm with to remind me later. And if I don't ask, I won't remember. But if I do ask, I almost never need to be reminded. The very uh-huh. act of asking <laughs> seems to suddenly make it stick in right, my head. Right, right. <laughs> something you expect as well? Well, I, I'm, what I'm wondering is at the other end of that equation, whoever, whoever you ask to, <laughs> to remind you, does that person generally come through for you? No, 
No. <laughs> not, not very often. Well, then it's especially because it's, it's commonly my wife, and I think she's learned at this point that I ask her that a lot, and I almost never <laughs> actually expect her to do so. I see. Well, then it's good that, that the very act of uh, asking uh, works for you. <laughs> That's a nice wow. mnemonic. Well, we have uh, we've kept you on a, a few minutes later than we should have, and unfortunately, we were running a little late, and I wanted to make sure you had a, enough time to, to talk about the book. And, and plus, I think it's an interesting topic. Lisa, do you do you have any questions uh, for Martha? By the way, seeing as you're I'm actually yeah, this is slightly course, closer to the target age than I am. This is this is a subject of much humor in our house because you know my my husband and I are both in our fifties and. When one of us says, "Would you please remind me of this later?" the other one invariably says, "Who's going to remind me?" Right. <laughs> and so that that tactic just really we've just taken to writing everything down that really yes. needs to not fall through the cracks. Uh, I guess my yeah, the question that comes to my mind is, is the type of memory loss that is normal qualitatively different? from the type of memory loss that might be a precursor to Alzheimer's or some other form of dementia? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, one of the uh, things that frightens people so much is that in the very early stages of dementia, uh, the kind of memory loss one experiences may in fact look a whole lot like the, like the uh, common, ordinary, normal memory loss we're talking about. In fact, very different things are going on, but the symptoms in the early stages may look quite alike. As I said before, with normal memory loss, the front lobes of the brain are shrinking slightly. They began to shrink, in fact, when you were in your early 30s, but you didn't notice it until you got to be around 50. Also, the the electric and chemical impulses that are zapping around uh, wildly in your brain, God knows how many hundreds of billions of neurons are zapping around in there, which make what we call memory, uh, those impulses tend to slow down, to weaken, and to lose number as we get older. So all of these things, part of absolutely normal aging, are going on. Whereas with Alzheimer's, a very abnormal process is in play. The, uh, the neurons are forming tangles thanks to a protein whose name, of course, I've forgotten. <laughs> uh, and uh, these tangles begin to destroy brain tissue. It is an irreversible thus far. It is an ir irreversible progressive process. Terribly, terribly difficult, painful. I don't mean physically painful, but um, uh, painful for those around the person who is, uh, who is suffering this loss. Um, the entire neuroscientific community is working enormously hard for some magic bullet. Some of them think there will be a cure. Others think there will not be a cure, but there will be increasingly better treatment to slow down the progression of the disease. 
But it is, I'm saying more about this than I intended to, but the main point is what is happening physiologically with the onset of Alzheimer's is dramatically different from what's happening physiologically in normal memory loss. Does that make sense? It does, it does. Good. And I, I think it's it's uh, it really is uh, something that everybody past the age of 50 who experiences any kind of memory loss immediately thinks about, you know. Sure. It's, it's scary. Yeah, it, it, it's scary, and it would be... You know, it would be helpful if we could, uh, if we could all relax about it. Said she with a ha ha, because <laughs> you know, uh, you could walk out your front door, as I say, in where did I leave my glasses, and get hit by a truck. The likelihood is that you will not. So there are no guarantees, but the likelihood is that these statistics are with you. You're not going to develop abnormal memory loss, but you are almost undoubtedly going to develop normal memory loss, and the better you can roll along with it and understand that it's normal and not freak out about it, the more likely that your memory will function optimally. I I said we were going to wrap up, but I actually have one more question. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Are there gender differences in how this works? Ooh, ho, ho. (laughs) Yes. And there is really so little known about this and very little written about it. I have a chapter um, called, um, I don't remember what it called the chapter. It's something like, like he remembers, oh, he remembers, she remembers, gender differences in memory. Uh, In brief, the most significant difference is uh, men tend to um, have better directional memory. Um, Women tend to have better landmark memory. And when I researched this material and discovered this difference and it was explained to me, I understood for the first time what has always seemed to me one of the abiding mysteries of life, which is why the hell so many arguments between couples take place in the front seats of cars. <laughs> you know, they're going someplace and and they're lost. And he is saying, I am certain this is right. We're heading due north because he has that directional sense. And she's saying, listen, I think we should turn around because I recognize that gas station. We passed it five minutes ago and we're going in circles. She she recognizes that landmark. Um, you can trace these differences if you go for evolutionary speculation, which I love, but of course it's pure speculation. Uh, you can trace them back to the kinds of memory that must have been essential back in prehistoric times when when the mail was going for... With following the hunt versus finding home. Exactly. Well, following the hunt versus um, um, finding um, the, the 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 berries, the whatever okay. yeah, that would sustain life close to the home. You know, and it's it's fascinating to trace these gender differences back to what must have been essential back in prehistoric times. 
Interesting. Yeah. Well, it, clearly in that, all I would have to say is that uh, the directional sense is correct and that landmark thing is nonsense. <laughs> of course. Of course. Right, but I'm outnumbered on I'm outnumbered on the show right now, so I'll uh, I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the congresswoman to call back and chew me out, and I'm probably already going to hear it from Lisa. Right? <clears throat> anyway, well, thank you very much for spending so much time with us. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I will also say thanks to Representative Maloney, to Jr. from Less Than Jake, and to Micah and Christian from Therefore Tomorrow for talking with us earlier tonight. And, of course, thank you to Lisa, my co-host. Uh, Eric should be back next week. I am Philip Wynn. This has been BC Radio Live. I need to find the button for the fade-out music. There we go. This has been BC Radio Live. Uh, we broadcast live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. So be sure to visit us live to participate in the chat room and watch that crazy, wacky, always wild live video feed. If you missed the live broadcast, or if you run over the end of the show to this night, audio archives are available online. Or you can subscribe to the podcast at Until next week, aloha! Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.